Well, good to see everybody. My name is Brad Jackson, one of the pastors around here, and uh, it is so good to be together this morning. Some of that worship uh, from the band was just soul-stirring, and uh, I think for a lot of us, those are the moments we need. We have busy, hectic, um, often relationally hard weeks, and we need a space like this where we can come and be and uh, sense that God is real and that the voice of God wants to speak to us. So with all that said, we've been in a series called Echo. And the idea is from a book by a guy named N.T. Wright. And the book is called Simply Christian. And it looks at Christianity not from a logical set of proofs defending it, and that's a very good thing to do. But it looks at it more from the reality that there are true things in the deepest part of who we are um, that are sort of echoes at this point. They're voices that are hard to hear, and we've talked about the voice of spirituality, the echo of spirituality the first week. And each one of these, what we tried to do is say, if we, if we want that thing that is faint, that is an echo, to become real and to become true, what we have to do is see it through who Jesus Christ is. And in the first week, we came to this conclusion from Scripture, if we want that echo of spirituality to be awakened, it's through trusting Jesus Christ. And last week we talked about relationships, um, which I hope for you was a lot of fun. In my marriage it was a lot of fun, raised some good conversations. And uh, just an FYI, next week we're heading into a four-week relationship series, and it's for all types of relationships. We're going to look at Ephesians 5 and have a lot of fun in that. Um, And then today we're going to talk about the echo of justice, that there's something deep down in all of us that yearns for justice. And justice simply defined, and this is very important, simply, simply defined is this. It's when things are right. Justice is when things are right in its most simple form. Stacy and I were up in the cities this week and I had a wedding to do on Friday night and then a wedding last night. Um, so if I do fall asleep during my own message, that's why. Um, but the idea is, is Stacy and I were sitting there and we're like, these were amazing weddings, young couples who are following Christ and absolutely amazing communities around them. And we were sitting at those weddings, at the wedding itself and at the reception, and it hit us like, this is a moment when things are really good, when things are right. And if you look at the world around you, you look at your life in a normal week, there are certain times where you can point to something and say, that's good, that's right. And that's where justice is true and in order. But the challenge is, That's not how everything is. Um, If you have children and you send one child to bed before the other, what will that child say? That's not fair. And that's where most of us often live. We want things to be right. We want them to be in proper order. But we live in a world that often seems out of order. That there's racism, there's religious oppression, laws which seem to only serve the powerful, And we could talk about example after example after example, and we try to grab onto it, but justice seems to slip through our fingers. And some say this echo of justice is just a dream, that there's no way that you can actually get it here on earth, that it's just a dream. Others would say there's no such thing as justice. It's from another world. It will never be true in this world in which we live. But I think what Scripture says is that it's there. But it's often in the tension of justice and injustice as they sit side by side. 
Week in, week out, if you open a newspaper, if you watch the news, what do you generally see? Injustice. You see in the world around you things that are broken, things that are messed up. Murders that seem absolutely out of control, starving children, people being sold into sex trades. We look around us and things seem absolutely out of control, yet we live today in some of the most morally sensitive times in history. People actually care and do things. If you dig just a little bit below the surface of all the atrocities, you find amazing stories of people caring and being redemption, bringing redemption in absolutely amazing ways. So before we jump in the text, let me, I think there's a couple of challenges that we have to name before we're going to be in Isaiah 1 this morning. But a couple of challenges that we have to name. And one flows out of the last two weeks. The last two weeks we've used Genesis 1 through 3 as a springboard for where we were going. And what Genesis 1 through 3 tell us is that we are made in the image of God. The, word, the Greek word for image of God is icons. We were made to reflect God, to show people God. But yet, we're broken. We've chosen to try and lead ourselves to be our own king. We've rebelled against God. And here's the first challenge. The challenge is this. The line of evil that we see out there runs through our very being as well. And that makes talking about justice challenging, and that helps us understand why, why justice is an echo. The second thing is this. If you're here and you're new to the Christian faith, wondering about the Christian faith, we want to admit up front, Christians have not always done a great job at justice, right? We've not always done a great job at justice. I was watching uh, somebody posted on Facebook this uh, uh, two, two comedians talking about faith talking about God. One is, was a Christian, one was an atheist. And the Christian made this great, great point. He said, if you buy into Christian only because, because the followers of Jesus are messed up, it's sort of like liking Elvis. You love the guy, but the fan club freaks you out. And as Christians, as people who are part of the church, we want to admit today, many of us, and all of us in some ways, have probably been the freaky fan club. And so we've messed it up. We've often not told a great story of what God is up to. This afternoon, many of you will go watch football. I will make no Vikings comment right here. Broncos are 2-0. Oh. Uh, but in an end zone, what is somebody going to hold up? John 3.16. For God so loved the world. And where we want to set up before we go into Isaiah 1 is this. Trust me, the fan club can mess it up. I believe that God loves and died for his church because it's broken. And sometimes we paint a really good picture of who God is. Sometimes we do it poorly. But God so loved the world. What we want to start with when we talk about justice is there is a God that actually loves his creation. That word for world is cosmos. It's not just us as individuals. It's the entirety of God's creation. God loves his creation. He wants to see it right. That's justice. So let's jump in Isaiah chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, Isaiah 1. If not, it'll be on the screens behind me. Before we do, let me pray. God, I pray that your word would... Um, Speak in the exact way it needs to this morning. 
God, there are those among us who need to be comforted, to know that you are a God of justice who cares about making things right in us. And so do that. And then there are those among us, God, who many of us need to be challenged. We need to hear this word and we need to act on it because we are committed followers of you. So do your good work by the power of your spirit. And all God's people said... Isaiah 1 is a great passage as we look at this idea of justice and why it's an echo. Isaiah 1, I'm going to read 10 through 17. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter. It is one of the strongest indictments against Israel in all of the Old Testament. God is not happy. Isaiah is making this very strong prophetic word. And I think this prophetic word against Israel in the Old Testament has a lot to say to us as the church today. Verse 10 says this. Listen to the Lord, leaders of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, people of Gomorrah. By the way, Sodom and Gomorrah, and many people have their idea what that is all about. The two times that Sodom and Gomorrah referred to in the Old Testament after the story in Genesis, it's about justice. It's not about sexual sins. It's about how they were treating each other. Very interesting. Verse 11. Verse 11 through 15 Isaiah does not hold back. What makes you think I want all your sacrifices, said the Lord. I am sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. If this stuff is new to you, this is a list of things that they were actually supposed to do. These were sacrifices that they were supposed to make. Verse 12, when you come to worship me, who asked you to pray through my courts with all your ceremony, stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. In other words, stop bringing an offering. You probably won't hear us say that here. (laughs) The incense of your offering disgusts me. As for your celebrations of new moon and Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they are sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations, your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen, for your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Now here's the thing. Israel on the outside, the picture being painted in Isaiah 1, Israel from the outside looked great. Church attendance was high. The offerings were good. They were raising their hands in worship. Everything looked really, really good. From the outside. They wore the right thing to church. They prayed the right prayer. Things seemed to be in place, but yet we have this indictment against them that is some of the strongest language that we have in the Old Testament. They were doing seemingly the right thing. But beneath, in their hearts, something was messed up. And I think that's often where the issue of justice is a hard conversation because we hear the echo. We want things to be right. When we see a a shot of a starving child, like something sort of wells up inside of us. We know that it shouldn't be that way. But like Israel, we tend to live in ways that sort of put that stuff off to the side. N.T. Wright, the guy I was telling you about, he wrote a book right after 9-11 called Evil and the Justice of God, a short, little, brilliant book. 
And he said that the challenge of justice is this, that we tend to act in certain ways, especially in first world countries like America. When we are hit with the issues of injustice, he lists three things. He said, we ignore it when it doesn't hit us in the face. Isn't that true? Like if it's on a TV and it's, it's somewhat dis... I, I can ignore it. it. It'll convict me for a moment, but, but I can turn the channel. I can go back to Sports Center. All will be right in the world, in our mind. We tend to ignore it. Or we're surprised by it when it does. When it starts to creep in just close enough that we see it and it starts to speak to us, we're surprised by it. That, that really exists? That happens? And then the third thing that he, that he says is we often react in dangerous and immature ways when it does. We have our pithy little answers of, about why justice or evil exists and we give those and we, we push it off to the side or probably many of you were like me last, yesterday on uh, 94 in between the cities, I get off in the Lex, Lexington exit and uh, I get into the right lane and I see a, a homeless guy there on the left and my first reaction was, thank God I'm turning right because I didn't want to deal with it. I not only wanted to ignore it, but I wanted to act in a way, and whatever you think of how you handle those situations, but I wanted to, to ignore that person so that we just far enough away from me that I wouldn't have to deal with it. And I think the challenge that Isaiah, that the Lord is giving through Isaiah to Israel is so good for us as we think about this echo of justice. That we often act in somewhat similar ways when things around us are not right. We push them to the side, we ignore them, we're surprised by it. We act in ways that are immature. And so here's the answer in verses 16 and 17. And it's absolutely brilliant. It's the good news of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Verse 16 says this. So this is how it looks. You, you look good on the outside. Everything seems right, but you're not doing the right thing. And I'll tell you what they're, they're not doing in a second. Verse 16 says this. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Uh, I absolutely love that after lambasting them for not being who they should be. He doesn't say, just, hey, do this then, do that. No, he says, first thing, it's a heart issue. That's what verse 16 is saying. It's, it's not go and do something and, and pretend you're, you're more and more powerful. It's no. Admit that you're helpless and in need of a living God. It reminds me of Jesus' first words in Mark 1, 14 and 15. It says this. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee where he preached God's good news, God's gospel. Verse 15, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near, and what should we do? Repent of your sins and believe the good news. To awaken this idea of justice that is in all of us. We want things to be right. We know when it's not fair. It starts with a heart issue. The step towards justice begins with our souls becoming right with God. That's exactly what happens in the Old Testament here. 
They are acting in evil ways. And before God goes into any plan of how to start to, to act justly, he says, get your heart right. Trust and follow me. And then here it is. Here's the crux of it. Verse 17. In telling them what to do, he tells us what they didn't do. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of the orphan. Fight for the right of the widows. See, what was going on was they were going to worship. They were giving their money in the offering. They were working their job. They were sending their kids to school. They had their small group they were meeting with during the week. But the issues of justice all around them, they were ignoring. That's why in Isaiah 1, we have one of the strongest statements against Israel in all of Scripture. God's not mad that there were numbers down in church. God is upset because they were going to church. They were in the temple. They were offering their sacrifices. Yet during the week, they would walk by the homeless person. They would see the widow. They would see the fatherless. And they would do absolutely nothing about it. Sounds really similar to a story in the Gospels, doesn't it? See, that echo of justice, that desire for things to be right that is in every one of us. We can actually push it down and down and down until it comes, com becomes completely silent. And the invitation in this text, I think, is so good because it says, first start with this, get your hearts right. Put your trust in God. Understand who God is. And as you do that, then you go to verse 17 where you learn to do good. You seek justice. You help the oppressed. You defend the cause of the orphans and the orphans. You fight for the right of the widows. And that's why Jesus says the very first thing in verse 15 of Mark 1, he says, the kingdom of God, or often in the gospels, the kingdom of heaven, which simply means where everything is the way God wants it to be. It's at hand, it's near. And the way you begin to live in that, the way you awaken the echo of justice is you trust, you repent of your sins, and you believe that God is who God says he is. And that thing that has been so faint, you can barely hear it. God begins to awaken it in us. Think about it for Jesus. What, what was Jesus up to? Luke 4, 18 through 19, early in his ministry, when he's saying what he's really about, he says this. This is him reading the Old Testament in the temple. It says, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will, be, will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor will come. Jesus was about making things right, everything right. Not only our relationship with God, but through that to awaken our eyes to see that the world around us, God is up to something. And God wants us to hear that. He wants us to do that as well. We'll say it time and time again. That the very thing Jesus was up to is what we're called to be up to. As the Father sent me, as the Father sent me, so send I, you. 
I think this echo for justice not only points towards this restored relationship with God, but it begins to ignite, to awaken our desire to make things right that is born in us by being created in the image of God. As we said in the beginning, some would say, is it an echo or is it a dream? Can can things really be made right? If you're sitting out there and you're thinking in any normal way, you're probably saying, I mean, Brad, come on. It's pretty messed up. Can things really be made right? And as followers of Jesus, we believe with all of our heart, I believe scripture says time and time again, that that is what God is up to. Anytime something is broken, something is not right, we serve a God who wants to make it right. It's why we pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You guys know the next line. Your kingdom, your will be done on earth as it is. We pray. We're supposed to pray time and time again. That the way things are in heaven, which simply means that they are the way God wants them to be, would become true around us. And here's the plan. Here's God's crazy, crazy plan. They become true through us. I love that. You and I are God's A plan for bringing redemption to the world around. There's no B plan, by the way. We are a plan for God putting things to right. That's why the echo of justice exists in all of us. And God wants to awaken it. Let me end end by encouraging you just to take two questions with you into the week. You'll often hear as as, uh, I'm preaching or others are, are preaching up here, we want to leave you with something that you can actually go out of these doors with. Um, We don't want you just to become smarter at church. We want you to become more and more like Jesus Christ. So two questions. One is this. If you want to awaken this echo of justice, ask this question, what breaks your heart? Look around you and just simply say, what breaks your heart? A couple of months ago, Steve Weens, a friend of mine, preached, and he asked the question, what do you see? When you look around you, what do you see? What breaks your heart? What does God want you to be up to? I was with a friend back up in the cities who had worked for me at the last church, and he would always tell me the story that whenever they would stop at the corner and see the homeless person, his wife would break into tears. That broke her heart. What breaks your heart? Because I think the follow-up question, which is on the screen as well, is simply, how do you act on it? What do you have to give? don't you, I mean, this does not have to, it, it'll change the world. We're all, I think God wants us all to change the world. But it can be the most simple of things. What breaks your heart and what do you have to give? What breaks your heart and what do you have to give? And T. Wright says in his book, he says, As Christians, we are workers for justice, explorers of spirituality, makers and menders of relationships. He says this, We are called not only to listen to the echo of the voice, but to be people through whom the rest of the world comes to hear and respond to the voice as well. A couple years ago, I was at a um, conference down in Atlanta called Catalyst. And uh, this guy, this young guy gets up to speak named Scott Harrison. And uh, Scott, if you know that name, is the founder of Charity Water, um, an absolutely amazing organization. 
And uh, we sort of thought he was going to get up there and uh, try and guilt us all into giving something to Charity Water. Um, but Scott just told his story. And his story was he grew up in a Christian home. And like many, probably like some of us here today, he had walked away from God through high school and college. And coming out of college, he goes to New York City, sort of becomes a big deal club promoter. And this echo inside of him for a relationship with God and for justice started to beat a little louder and a little louder. Until Scott finally said, I just, I had to do something about it. So he jumps on mercy ships as a photojournalist and travels around with these doctors who go and do surgeries on people that some of us can hardly look at. And Scott said it was in that, it was at one of the stops when he found out that the tumors that are growing on these people's faces and on their bodies was connected to the water. And God invited him to act on it. And he started in a small place and it's grown big. And I think that's what God simply wants to do with each of us, wherever you are in the spiritual journey. That echo for things being right, God wants you to do something about. What breaks your heart? And what do you have to give? And my prayer, do something. By the grace of God that is in Jesus Christ, go and do something. Jesus, we pray that you would use us God, I look at the world around us. I look in Mankato at kids who don't have lunches for school. We look across the world and we see people drinking water that actually makes them sick. And it's easy to be comfortable, it's easy to ignore, it's easy to push it to the side. But God, you are alive and you are up to something and we pray that as you send us from this building, that we would walk out bringing heaven, bringing where things are right into a world where things often seem wrong. By the power of the Spirit, by the good, good message of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray this in your name. Amen.